by the 45. Because you wanted that one hit, right? That one hit. I think one of my first 45s that I purchased was the Eagles, There's Going to Be a Heartache Tonight, in 1978. Now, what's, what's interesting is that, you know, the A side has the hit. But the B side has kind of a throwaway song from the album, right? It's kind of like, eh, what's this? And I looked it up on that, on that 45. The other song on that, on that 45 is Teenage Jail. Who doesn't remember Teenage Jail? I don't. Right? Uh, and, the, you know, this is, a, this is a marketing decision, right? Because you don't want to put two hits on a 45 because that's wasting an opportunity to sell another 45 to make more money. That's, that was a whole marketing ploy to that, right? But last week, we were in Luke chapter 8. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and you may want to crack your Bible open there even right now. And Jesus was using one of his famous parables, one of his hits, if you will, talking about the parable of the sower and the soils. Jesus likened the seed in the story to preaching out the Word of God or the Gospel. And the seed of the Word only grew or bore fruit depending on the condition of the soil. So, the hard path, when it received, you know, the, the, the seed, the hard soil, when it received the seed, it was snatched away. The rocky soil, it grew quickly, but it had no root and it withered. The thorns, well, it grew up with the seed, but it was choked and had no fruit. And then the good soil, the seed grew up and produced a a crop of a hundred times. So this week, Jesus tells another parable. And contrary to uh, the record industry of yesteryear, this one is a hit as well, though. It is the story of the light. We've been singing about it all this morning. I don't know if you've noticed the theme, right? But he explains the nature of the light, this good news, if you will. And he gives a thoughtful warning for trying to cover up the light or even ignore the light. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 8, and we're going to pick it up at verse 16. Verse 16 through 21. So this is the parable. Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. 
Let me pray, and then we'll dig deeper into God's Word today. So, Lord Jesus, this is your Word. Would you give me grace even now to shine it out to our hearts? Because we want to receive what you have for us today. We want to listen carefully, consider what you're saying, and let the light of your gospel shine in us. And Lord, for the one who has not yet responded, would you open his or her heart to what you have for them, this good news. So come, Holy Spirit, do your work among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, at the beginning of this chapter of Luke, in verse 1, Jesus goes around proclaiming from town to town the good news of the kingdom of God. You know, the seed is the metaphor there for the word of God. And one of the components in this is that of salvation, that people might have right relationship with God. They might respond to this seed. They might respond to this message. But if the seed again reject, uh, if the seed is rejected by the soil, you don't receive salvation. You don't receive the good news. In today's parable, Jesus changes metaphors, but he does not change the subject matter. So this is the B-side, if you will, of this record, of this teaching. The light in this, in this teaching is the Word of God. It is the Gospel. And there is a use for the light. It has a specific purpose. And number one, the light is meant to shine. Again, verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. You know, a first century house was very dark. It was very dark. The windows were not glass windows like these. They were, you know, either open air or they were shutters. And when they were shut, it was dark in the house. You had to have an oil lamp to see where you're going in this house. That was the common use of, of a lamp. And you don't put it under your bowl. You don't put it under your bed. You get it up high so it can shine the light as much as possible in, in the, the, the house so that you don't run into stuff and you can see. In the same way, in the same way, the gospel, this word of God, is to shine the light, to see the way to enter into having a relationship with a holy God. It's not supposed to be something that's hidden. It's not something that's supposed to be secretive. It's to be held out, obvious for people to see that they might respond to this good news. That's what gospel means. It's good news. Why would we want to hide good news? But here's the thing. This is part of what Jesus is trying to say. It's not really good news if we're trying to hide it. If we're trying to keep it from people. We who have put our faith in Christ, we have the good news. And do we not realize, do we not realize that it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, as the Apostle Paul would express in Romans chapter uh, 1, 
verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. It's not good news if we're hiding it. If we're keeping it out of people's sight. Now, I think sometimes we want to hide it because sometimes we're afraid that people don't want to see the light. They don't want to hear the light. They don't want to experience that. Because what it, it shines, we're going to talk into their lives, we're going to talk about that. But again, it's not good news if we keep it hidden. The Apostle Paul will express it in Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. They can be reconciled to a holy God. They can be forgiven. They can have a new life. They can be transformed. But listen what he goes on to say. How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Folks, we are evangelicals. That has nothing to do with a political stance. That has everything to do with we are good news people. We are telling people about Jesus. We're convinced that that is the only way, the truth, and the life. And if you believed in Him again, you had the light in you, and you can tell people about the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And again, not everyone wants to hear it. I get that. I get that. Because it gets a little too personal. It tells people something about themselves that they don't necessarily want to hear. But we've got three P's here, right? We want to pursue God, we want to prepare people to serve Him, and we want to proclaim Christ. And that's an area I think we want to grow in as a church. Grow in our ability to shine that light. And that ability to plant that seed, if you will, as we talked about last week. Without appearing like we're trying to sell people used cars, right? That's the thing. And again... So often it has to do with our relationship with people, how we treat them, and that they see the light of Jesus in us. It's not just sharing information. It's not just trying to close a deal, if you will. It really is letting them see Jesus live in us, and then going, oh, yeah. One of the things that Emily shared today about her teacher, and she didn't share this morning, but I'm going to share, is that one of the things that's making the difference is this, his family, his grown sons, his wife are seeing a difference in who he is. He is a transformed man. It's like, oh, this is what Jesus is doing for you. And that's what's making the difference in their interest. Again, this fall we're going to try and move towards looking at how we share this light. The thing we call organic outreach that this is growing so much in us we just can't help but share about it. It pours out from us. But again, this light is meant to shine, not to be hidden. And by its very nature, light is also meant to reveal. And this is probably the B-side of this parable in itself. Verse 17, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. What the light reveals here is the reaction of the heart. Right? The Word of God, the Gospel, it's preached. It's searching your heart. It's saying, how are you responding to this message? How are you responding to who God is? And it reveals what's going on inside. Again, he says, for there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. You see, one may be able to kind of keep up appearances outwardly. But the Word of God says, I know you. This is my standard. How are you lining up with that? Because God sees. The author of Hebrews will express it this way. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it penetrates, like a scalpel if you will, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It says, how is this lining up with God's standard? And nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. You maybe think you're hiding it from the world, but God sees. There's nothing hidden from Him. And everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. This is what the Word of God does. It reveals. It reveals. And again, in verse 18, this is the second time in this chapter where Jesus calls His audience to listen carefully. He already did earlier in chapter 8. He says, Whoever has ears, let him hear. But now he says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Take this into account. Literally, it says, therefore, look to how you hear. What's the concern? The concern is that you're missing it. The concern is that you're missing the good news. You hear it. It's going in one ear and out the other. And you're not responding it. You may know it. You may even understand its ideas. You may even believe it intellectually. But you have failed to respond by faith to the one who brings the good news because he is the good news. You see, it's easy to relegate Jesus as a good teacher, a good example, good advice, even, even the Son of God. But have you really put your faith in Him to follow Him? To give your life to Him? Jesus doesn't allow you just to leave Him out there as a good guy or even a good teacher, but to respond to Him. He and the witnesses of His life, His death, and His resurrection point to so much more. That you appropriate following Him by faith. And if you don't have Him, you're missing something that is most important. One of his followers, the Apostle John, will express this in his first letter, chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. But listen to this. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. 
This is why Jesus says, consider very carefully how you hear. Have you responded to the light? Have you responded to this message? Have you responded to me? And if so, here's the good news. Whoever has responding to the light will be given more. Salvation is just the start. But here's a few things, right? Forgiveness, eternal life, Christ's righteousness, a new identity in Christ, a new purpose, a new nature. The Holy Spirit dwells you, eternal reward. The God of the universe has become your Father, and He listens to you. You become a beloved child. And you get to reign and rule with Him. The Apostle Paul says this (laughs) so many times in his letters, but I'm going to go back to Romans again, 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If you have Christ, what you have, you'll be given so much more. But the flip side, the warning side, the take care to listen what you have, he says, whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Because they failed to respond to the light. They failed to respond to the good news. They failed to respond to God's Word. In the original context, you know, Jesus is preaching to the covenant people of God. People who said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of God because I'm a descendant of Abraham. They're looking to their, their physical lineage or even more religiously, because I follow the law. They follow the law. Here's what they failed to see. is Even though the law reveals God's standard, His perfect standard, it also reveals our failure to meet it. A standard that says, you have to love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's just an overview statement, right? Do you or I do that unfailingly every day? Anyone failed? Hello? I've failed. i failed. And here's the thing. If you're going to go about this this way, one failure means that you have failed completely. Oh, come on, God, didn't we grant on a curb? No. The standard is me. Imagine how devastating that will be to think about all that you thought you had going for you. And go, sorry, you haven't met it. By today's standards, it's, it's maybe even a little less. We say, hey, I, I'm a good person. I'm doing better than the next guy. Or I'm, I'm batting above 500. My good outweighs my bad. It doesn't matter. One failure is complete failure. And it says, whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken away. That's the bad news of the gospel. That's the bad news of the gospel. That you, that I, that everyone 
cannot meet God's standard. We can't do it. We're lost and we're stuck. We got nothing. We got nothing. But the good news that Jesus has it all. And He has done it. As He will go to the cross to pay the penalty we can't pay. He will rise from the dead to conquer the foe that we can't conquer. And He will give us His righteousness that we do not have. Remember I quoted Romans 1.16. The next verse says this, For in the gospel... A righteousness is revealed that is from God. That is from faith, the first to the last. For it is written, the just will live by faith. The good news is not what I do, it's what Jesus has done. That's where I'm putting my faith. Not me. Because if I compare myself to God's word, I fall woefully short. Woefully short. And because I know human beings, I know you have too. Let's just be real. There's no judgment. We're all in the same boat. But here's, here's the next part that is wonderful. The light, listen to this, is meant to make family. Now listen to this. Verse 19, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brother are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So here it is. It's in the middle of a sermon. Jesus is bringing it home and someone says, hey Jesus, your mom and brother are outside. They can't get to you. Can we take a time out here in the service here and have them come talk to you? What's Jesus going to do? What are they going to do? Jesus has been raised in a society where you're called to honor your father and your mother. It's the fourth commandment with a promise. But he really takes this opportunity to illustrate the greater family connection in the kingdom of God when he says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You see, from the gospel perspective, from the kingdom of God perspective, to respond to the light means that you get to be included in God's kingdom. You're not only a member, you're a family member. You become a son. You become a daughter. Again, to the gospel of John, to as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become the sons, the daughters of God. Become the children of God. What an amazing thing. You can be adopted into God's forever family. It's not dependent upon your flesh. It's not dependent on your ethnic background, your gene pool. It's dependent upon putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And what about the benefits thereof, Right? You're given the Holy Spirit. You can call God Abba, Father, that is Daddy. You become co-heirs with Christ. So many other benefits. I don't even have time. It's its own sermon, to be honest with you. But again, it's based on my response 
to the light, to the gospel, to God's Son. Hearing it, especially the gospel, and putting it into practice. Now don't misunderstand me. We're not talking about me doing all the right things, if you will, to earn merit before God. But let me put it in this perspective, because this is what this is what Jesus will say. John chapter 6, verse 28, he says, When they inquired, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, the works of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. See, real faith will always lead to action. But those actions don't merit salvation. It's rather us taking him at his word, putting our faith in him, trusting him. And that it can be a very radical thing. Again, Emily sharing about her, her, her teacher, right? When he put his faith in Jesus, a lot of people disowned him. He lost his job. That was putting faith into action. It had consequences. It also has its joy. Again, the actions don't merit salvation, but taking him at his word means you get to be included in the family of God. On the other hand, here's the flip side of this also. It also shows that our ultimate loyalty is not to our family of origin. Jesus by no means is disowning his mother or his, or his brothers. But his mission is to be the savior of the world. His mission is to be the light. And it took precedence over the demands of his earthly family to take a time out in the midst of his ministry. You know, interestingly enough, at this point, his own brothers didn't even believe in him. They didn't believe in him. It's really not until after he's resurrected that they put their faith in him, where we get James and Jude, both brothers of Jesus, and they'll write their own letters. But in a similar fashion, some of us may be called to choose Christ, his kingdom, his family, over our earthly families. In moments. Again, that doesn't mean we deny them or say, I have no relationship with you, but the kingdom of God takes precedence. Jesus becomes our first priority, his kingdom, and loving him. So the light has come. And for those of us who know him, we need to shine him, not hide him. And it will reveal. If you're going to take Jesus and his gospel seriously, it will reveal what's going on in your heart. But have you responded to that light? To the positive, it's great gain. To the negative, in the end, it will be great loss. And it is a family maker. A family maker. Here's the thing. Every one of you who has put your faith in Jesus Christ... You're my brother, you're my sister, whether you like it or not. Right? That God has made us a forever family. What a great thing. What a great thing. And it transcends all earthly relationships. What an amazing thing. It can make me a brother from another mother. It can make you a sister from another mister. You like that? All right. But Jesus is the elder brother, and he saves us. And it makes the Heavenly Father our Father. 
And that's the good news. We're going to 